0: hello hello guys welcome back horse girls and guys i am a day late this week sorry um i'm sure nobody was keeping score but i yesterday was really really nice out and so i just had to take advantage of the weather yesterday so i was outside working away on some fence and some pasture cleanup it has been crazy like honestly most of february I will say I am very impressed. This doesn't happen here in Iowa ever. We sometimes will get snow into April. So the fact that it's been like 40s and 50s like the last month has been really crazy. I've gotten so much stuff done. So I'm so thankful. Um, But yeah. I feel like every episode, I pretty much just talk about the weather for five minutes, but it does play a huge part in my daily life. It it truly does. Um, and another good thing about today, when I got home from work this morning, I noticed they were dumping a bunch of gravel on our road. And I don't know if I talked about this. I feel like I did, but our gravel road has been so horrible all winter. Um, it has just been so torn up, and every time it gets warm like this, it gets really soggy. And it's basically like the whole base of the gravel road has just got to be gone at this point because it's just black, and the ruts are huge. It is so hard on my vehicles, and it's it's been horrible. But today, when I got home from work, I turned onto my road, and they had spread so much new gravel down, like big, chunky gravel. So that's great Um, which reminds me i need to call our local quarry because i want some gravel for our driveway but also i'm gonna need so much gravel around my property i want to gravel um, my round pin and my little obstacle course area i want to put some gravel in the new riding ring and i want to gravel the gates so i need to call and get a quote for that i don't think it's very expensive here because i think the gravel is ultimately pretty low quality here like it's not very hard rock which honestly i don't care i just need rock um and i have asked around and people say that the best way to get a good footing on your round pins is to put like gravel down and then put sand down uh, so that like it creates drainage and your sand basically doesn't just get stomped into mud. So yeah, that's what I want to do. I also want to get this product called Man Sand, which I think is short for manufactured sand or man-made sand. And I have a friend that has it in her round pin and her arena and it is so great. I don't know how exactly to explain it. The way I've been explaining it to people is it's like Rice Krispies. If you ate that cereal as a child, it's like not pea gravel, but it's also not regular sand. It's just a little bit coarser. And so it's a really nice, like satisfying sound and everything. So she has it and I've ridden at her place a few different times now and I really, really like it. So I'm going to get a quote on that too, but I'm sure it's more expensive um than regular sand. But I kind of just want to compare prices. Like if it's crazy expensive compared to regular sand, then I'll probably just get regular sand. But if it's just a little bit more expensive, then I might just invest and get that. So we'll see, but I've been this whole afternoon working in the pasture and I just decided to come inside and do this because my boyfriend went back to work and my battery on the chainsaw died so it has to charge for like the next hour. So I was like, well I'll come inside, film this, and then I'll go back out later. So yeah. Anywho, um I don't know why I have like this my right ear today. I woke up this morning and Just laying in bed, it was hurting. It would just, I would be like fine and there'd just be kind of this dull earache. And then all of a sudden it'd like pang and hurt. And then I'd lay there for a little while longer and it'd do it again. And just the last hour or so while I've been outside, my hearing has like gone out and now it's ringing. And it's just really annoying. I think I've been cleaning my ear too much. And I get really paranoid. I don't know if any of you guys are like this out there, but I get really paranoid about my ears filling up because at one time I had impacted ears. And so I get really paranoid about cleaning them, but I think I've been doing it too much because it just feels like it's irritated in there. Um, Oh, yeah. I got some baby chicks too yesterday. uh, I bought four because that's like the minimum you have to buy at once. I bought four. One didn't make it. So this morning I came out to three, unfortunately. And I think, I don't really know, I don't know exactly the reason, but I thought I had only had two. I totally thought one was dead. Uh, One was for sure dead, dead, like he won't move in nothing. The other one was laying there and they say that like if you dip their beaks in the water, it'll help like liven them up and kind of like jolt them awake if you have like a lethargic one. So I did that with both and one of them actually opened its eyes and just very slightly was like trying to move around. And so I'm like, well, this one's not dead yet, I guess. So I'm going to give them new, another chance. And I think what happened was I put this little hut that my rabbit had just a little like house hut thing in their their tub. And so I have the heat lamp, food and water, and then I had that little hut that they could go in because they say that you're supposed to, like, provide an area or a space that they could get out of the heat if they didn't want to be under the heat lamp. Well, I think they all got stuck under the hut, and they couldn't figure out how to get out. So they they stayed in there, I'm guessing, probably all night, and it wasn't warm enough in there. So the two, the one obviously did die, but the other one... um was just he was on his way out for sure so this morning when i went out and checked on them i took the hut out and the other two were still alive and like standing and and were up but they weren't really moving and their eyes were closed like they just looked very uncomfortable so i lowered their heat lamp down a little bit and i was trying to be careful with it because i just have hay in the bottom of their tub for bedding so i was trying to be careful but I lowered the heat lamp down a little bit so that it was w- much warmer on my hand when I put my hand in there. And the two lively chicks, like, stood under the heat lamp and literally, like, spread their wings out and started chirping, like, as if they were, like, let there be light or let there be heat, basically. And so I put the the one that was just laying under the heat lamp so he could just, like, lay in there and maybe he would... Live and back up and this morning when i got home from work all three of them were like up and chirping around and eating their chick starter and stuff so i can't believe he came back i seriously i thought he was a goner for sure um but he is fine now i guess so i got white leg horns um, which was basically the only option at the local feed store they can they've gotten a few different shipments of chicks in but they basically are selling out as soon as they get them in because everybody thinks owning chickens is the answer to the egg crisis I'm guessing so they've been going out really quick so I was like I don't even care what kind they are like I just need to get some because I am down to one chicken and my rooster that's it I have two chickens and obviously only one of them is going to lay eggs so yeah. um, I don't know what happened to Linda, my reliable chicken, but I found her deceased in her coop the other day, which really sucked. I loved Linda. She was the last chicken from the original six that I bought a couple years ago. Um, She has survived two or three dog attacks on the coop and she let me pick her up and she, oh my gosh, she was so funny. She would like The cats would try and pounce on her and then she'd go around the rest of the day becawing because she was pissed. And yeah, I'm sad that she died and I don't know why. But I have the other two and now I have three more. So hopefully Um Yeah, I don't know. Just hopefully they make it and I have some more chickens to add. I was thinking today, I really wanna build a chicken town. So they have my little coop if you guys watch the vlogs you see my little ghetto looking coop it's supposed to only house like four chickens but I have their little ghetto coop and then it's kind of right in this little wooded area it's not super wooded but it's just like just this little section in but in my yard that's like kind of brushy and I was thinking today how fun would it be to put up like a seven foot fence or something and just fence in that whole little area and make it a chicken town like a coop and I could buy one of those little chick neck tables and put some swings in there and just put some roosts and stuff it would be so adorable but we'll have to see what happens I don't know that's gonna cost money and time and I don't have a lot of that right now so it's probably just gonna be on the back burner but I have a hard time putting fun ideas on the back burner I'll be honest I do but anyway, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Oh my god, I have a splinter in my finger. Now I have to wait till the end of this episode to get it out. But today, we're going to be discussing some unhinged opinions on horsey matters. So I don't know if you guys have seen the little meme lately of like, I don't know what movie it's from. I, I'm i guessing it's from like, I think it's from Tangled, honestly. Um, it's like the guy and then all these people are holding swords up to him. And the meme says, what unpopular opinion can put you in this position? So it's just like one guy standing there and he's all like nonchalantly um, minding his business, I guess. And then all these people are holding swords up against him. And so somebody made a Twitter thread of all these like horsey opinions that they have, like unhinged opinions. So I, I just wanted, I screenshotted them and I was like, damn, this would be a good episode for the podcast. So let's go ahead and get started. All right. So the Twitter thread is what unpopular opinion can put you in this position being um, held at sword point. And the first one, somebody says, The horse doesn't need more training. The rider needs more lessons. And some of these I don't think that are unhinged. This is one that I definitely think is a pretty good one because I have personally worked at several barns at this point. And when I tell you that some people, if you can't ride a horse, like, that does not make you a bad rider. It doesn't make you a bad person. And it doesn't mean there's anything necessarily wrong with the horse. But one thing that drives me nuts at the last barn that I worked at, for some reason, all of these like older women that are taking up horse owning, equestrian has a hobby. Oh, sorry. Gotta get a yawn in. Um think that they need to buy like five year olds and under. And I don't understand the thought process. I'm sure it's just inexperienced. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's a thought process behind it, but I don't understand it. All of these older women in their 50s and 60s that are either just retiring or they want an outdoor hobby or something, they get these young horses. And I don't get it. <laughs> and me and the barn owner used to always just... Shake our heads about it because they don't know how to ride them, or they're always complaining about their horse, or they can't get their horse to do anything, or they're scared of the horse, they're having somebody else ride it because they can't ride it, or they're having problems, they don't understand. And it's not that the horse needs more training necessarily, it's that the rider needs more lessons. If you are a beginner, if you are just getting into riding, if you're new to riding, you don't need a young horse. Some horses are young and they're very well broke out. And some horses are young and they are going to develop all these different habits. You are going to create all these different habits and they are going to figure you out before you figure them out. So if you're older, if you want to take up riding as a new hobby and are not experienced, I would not suggest getting a young horse, get something that's like in their teens, has been there, done that, is in their ways, and they know what their job is. They're confident, they will tote you around no problem. Just get something that's not still a baby, that's not still a child, is a big clown, and is going to create all these habits because it knows that you can't figure it out. So that's my take on that one. I don't think that one's too crazy, but it's definitely it's definitely true. Okay. The next one, somebody says horse slaughter should be legal in the US. And this is one honestly I go back and forth on. So I know I was just talking about my chickens earlier. I eat a vegan diet. I do. Raise my own chickens and use their eggs for our own uses. That is the only thing that I use. Um, but other than that, I eat a vegan diet. Um, especially right now with how expensive eggs are, I ain't eating no eggs because my chickens aren't laying right now. But so I go back and forth. So I'm vegan. So I honestly obviously, obviously, I would not eat horse meat, and I don't eat meat. I don't. I don't want to support it. I guess. And that's just my personal take whatever your take is is fine that's just mine but at the same time I'm like god I don't know like I'm sure it would solve a lot of unwanted horses and a lot it would prevent like some neglect cases from happening and it would make um, shipping horses to slaughter much less brutal because ultimately, like horses are going to slaughter. They're just being driven outside the US. Like they're just going to Texas and being sent to Mexico. Like I'm sure it would create a better experience for the horse. I mean, not that dying is a good experience necessarily, but I'm sure the process would be less brutal and inhumane if it was more localized. Does that mean I think it should happen? Not necessarily. I think there should be bigger implications on breeding. And I think that people should be better educated and better exposed to what you are creating, what problem you are contributing to when you continue to breed your horses. Um, when you continue to breed low quality horses, just because you want color um, or you want something out of your horse, I would have loved to have a baby out of Sugar, my horse that I've had for 16 years, I think. um, I w- Of course, I would have loved to have a baby out of her, but she's not a well-put-together horse. Yes, she has a great mind, but at the end of the day, I'm going to find other horses after her that have great minds. I'm going to find other horses that are put together better or worse than her after her, and it, it would be selfish and naive of me to just breed her just because, oh, well, I want her baby. Well, that's dumb in my opinion. There's all these horses out here. There's a plethora of them. Why are we producing lower quality ones instead of, of higher quality ones? Like the higher quality horses are much less likely to be put on a truck to go to slaughter. They are. They're way less likely. Obviously, it does happen um, you see these um, tearjerkers all the time on Facebook of some horse that has all these show records and has run all this money and somehow they got found in the loose pit. I get that. But if we are going to produce horses, why aren't we producing really good quality ones? That's just my question. Does that mean I think the that it's ethical to just kill off all the ones that we don't want not necessarily cuz i don't think it's it's the horses fault that they got put in this situation that horses are it's not their fault that they're being produced when nobody wants them but interested in what the other what your guys's take is on that issue let me know down below because i feel like it can definitely go a lot of directions okay after that Someone says, most killpen horses are headed south for a reason. So, (laughs) this one is kind of brutal to me. Um, Like I said, I'm a big softy. I'm a big animal lover. Um, I'm vegan. And I just, like, I don't know. Part of me agrees with this because, like, they're in the kill pen for a reason. Sure. They're probably low quality horses. Um, they're probably not being bought for riding or driving or being used for a reason. They're probably lame. Um, they may be extremely hard keepers. Um, but like the thing that I question is like, sorry, I'm saying the word like too much. We are still continuing to breed those things, though. We are still continuing to breed horses that need injections and need all of this other stuff to stay sound, that need to be butted before every event, that need all of these supplements so that they don't colic or get ulcers or whatever. They have all these issues. They're super hard keepers. We're still continuing to breed them, even though the ones in the killpen are going to slaughter. So, yes, those horses are probably going for a reason, but they're just going to be replicated by the same breeders. Um, And these are breeders that think they are producing high-quality horses. Um, Some horses are just not bred for brains. And I totally get that. I've had some project horses that I'm just like, I never want to see that horse again. I don't care if I ever see that horse again. But at the same time, like I said before this isn't all the horse's fault like the problem is not with the horses it the problem is who is creating these horses why is somebody breeding horses that are dangerous and extremely hard to train are super dumb um and just have no other good qualities and yeah i don't know I don't think that just because a horse is dumb or is a hard keeper or is lame or whatever means that they should just go on a truck because, like, that's just my perspective. It's not the horse's fault that they were put in this situation. What should be done is that we should uh, be harder on the people that are producing them. So, yeah, I feel like I just repeated myself for that one. But the next one I have talked about before, and that is... Kill pens are a scam, so are rescues. Now, I feel like a scam, hmm, I don't want to say that rescues necessarily are a scam. Well, this is a hard one. No, they're not all scams. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that they're not all scams, but there are a lot of them that are. And I've talked about this previously in other episodes when I've told the story of my horse, Grace. If you guys remember Grace, if you watch the channel, she I had her for over a year, just over a year, and I got her from a quote-unquote rescue that completely lied to me about her. Um, they told me that she was 10 to 12. I got her home, and she showed absolutely no signs of being that young. She, My vet said she was probably closer to her 20s if not in her 20s, and she was an extremely hard keeper. Nobody knew if she was broke, and these people on this page, like I wanted to promote, or not promote, but support this group because this rescue, um, basically every month they would go to the local sale barn. They would buy a group of horses. They'd bring them home, and they would get them rehomed. But the more closely I started watching their page and understanding their routine, especially after Grace, I realized that these people, this is not a rescue. This is people making a living off of horses by posting pictures of them when they're skinny or, you know, with the burrs in their mane and tail and they're all dirty and cut up from the sale barn and whatever. And them doing this miracle flip of this horse, basically, and they'd throw their daughter on basically every horse to see if they were broke or not. They'd take some pictures of it being ridden, and then they would resell this horse. And every month before they went to the sale barn to buy all these horses, they would do a fundraiser. So they got the horses paid for through their fundraiser. They'd bring them back, and I know that they didn't get them vetted. They didn't get their shots or Coggins or anything done. Um, And I only know that because i have a friend that almost bought a horse from them as well and she asked them when she went to see this horse um, and they said that they did not do that they do they did get their feet done so they probably spent a little bit of money on this paid for horse in a a pedicure and a cairo because there were pictures of grace getting a cairo done and then They post some pictures of the horse and they get it sold. So they make all this money off of these paid for horses and then they call it rescuing them. And after I had gotten Grace, I really started to question it because her adoption pictures that they put up of her, she was 400 pounds heavier than when I picked her up. She was skin and bones when I picked her up. So they obviously weren't feeding her well enough. They weren't giving her grain. She had to be on grain. I dumped so much money in freaking feed into that horse. And so I definitely look close at these quote unquote rescues. And personally, if I were to ever open my own rescue, I don't know that I would necessarily um, do it for free either. I'm not saying those people were bad people for making a living off of what they were doing. I'm saying they're bad people for um, basically getting everything paid for for them and using donations to make their living. Um, it's it's one thing to be a nonprofit rescue, and it's one thing to be a rescue. I don't know personally if I would ever be a nonprofit rescue. I would love to rescue horses. Um And, you know, fix them up, find them good homes, etc. And also make a little bit of money doing it. But do it honestly. Um, Don't try and hide anything. Don't, you know, feed them improperly. Don't deprive them of vet care, etc. But I feel that nonprofits are so much more open and honest about the horses that they have. Because they're people that generally care about the animals they're not just people that are trying to make a living off of it and calling themselves a rescue or a sanctuary or whatever um and that i think is a scam because they're almost playing it off as if they're doing this great thing for for the horses when really they they just care about paying their house payment so rescues i think definitely can be a scam i'm not going to say they're all scams kill pens I don't really know. I guess I don't know enough about kill pens. When I think most of us, when we talk about a, quote, kill pen, most of us in our heads know that it's the loose pen. These are loose pen horses. Just because they're in the loose pen doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to kill. Um, Usually, a lot of the times, it means they're going to slaughter and they're going to be put on a truck, but not always. Personally, I would buy horses out of the loose pen, take them home as projects, as rescues, etc. But I think most of us just kind of um, default it to being a kill pen, even though not all of the horses for sure are going to be killed. So I guess I don't know if you would consider that a scam just because everybody assumes that they're going to be killed. Um, Not all of those horses do get put on the truck. All right, the next one says spurs and crops aren't abusive. You just don't know how or when to use them. This is a good topic for me, too, because I personally, if you guys don't already know, am a natural horsemanship connoisseur. Um, I don't ride any of my horses in bits, and I do not use spurs. Um, I don't use crops either. I use whips, but I don't use crops. And so... I started my quote-unquote natural horsemanship career with this mindset that everything is a pain device. It's all made to cause pain to the horse, et cetera, et cetera, and I don't want to use it, so I'm not going to, and that's why it kind of all started for me. was because I didn't really understand how the tools can be used, um, correctly. I've never, I had never met anyone that used them correctly. I only had exposure from the research that I had done where people use them incorrectly. Now I of course know a bunch of people that use bits. That's not an uncommon thing. And I don't think that bits are necessarily abusive. Does that mean I prefer them? Not really. I've had a lot of good luck. I've had a lot of success riding all of my horse's bit list. so at this point i'm like well why put something in my horse's mouth if it doesn't need to be there like i understand that hackamores can cause the same effect um with like the leverage and stuff like that i i'm fully aware of that but i'm still like well, why put something in their mouth like why stick something in the horse's mouth like i don't i don't need to you know my horses are riding well they're riding comfortably we're getting along great and haven't had any issues being bitless so why not go bitless um so i have just always done all of my horses that way and that's still to this day the way i prefer it as far as like spurs and crops um i have definitely seen spurs be used horribly uh there was a a parade that me and a friend went to several years ago that I don't know who they were, but this big group of Hispanic people um, showed up with their horses, this big group of men, and they just ran those horses into the ground through that parade. And their horses literally were bleeding. Not joking. My friend was appalled. And when I saw it, I like, honestly wasn't surprised. But their horses had blood marks on their sides. And it was clearly the way that they were riding these horses. I mean, they were making them run up the street and ripping them back, and spinning them in circles and kicking them, and and then ripping them back. And then you had these two big 250 pound men on this hor- one horse, and and they were cowboying it up, if you know what I mean. And so I've definitely seen spurs be used as a pain device. But I've also seen people use them as a training device or just as a writing tool. Um, God, I have a tickle on my nose. Sorry. I don't know a whole lot about them because I didn't grow up in the show ring. So I will admit that I am completely ignorant in that area. I have never ridden with spurs. I've never ridden with crops. So therefore, I don't know when is appropriate to use them. And that's why I don't and why I stick to doing things that I know for sure work and I know how to do it, which is doing everything without them. <laughs> so... Yeah, I just, I don't have lessons in that area. But I do think that if you are using them properly, they can be used as tools instead of um, pain devices. Um, Okay. Our next unhinged opinion says... Granny and your kid don't need that $20,000 five-year-old. They need a half-crippled 25-year-old. Okay, this is literally what I was saying earlier about the rider needing more lessons. Um, guys, you don't need young horses. <laughs> I'm sorry, but not everybody needs young horses. Whether you're getting into riding as a 65-year-old, whether you're getting into riding as a five-year-old, you don't need to buy your horses, these, or your kids, or yourself, these expensive young horses. Those horses are being bred like a $20,000 five year old. That horse was bred for somebody to take it really far. Somebody that knows how to ride that expensive horse, that expensive young horse. So, somebody that has been there, has done that, has all the experience, and is going to push that horse into an awesome career is who should be buying that horse. If you are a beginner, if you don't know anything about horses, don't know anything about riding, you don't need that horse. Go buy something that is older. I'm not going to say 25 necessarily, but 25 isn't that old if the horse is in really good health. Buy something that will teach you to be a good rider before you try to train a young horse. Very important life skills there, purchasing skills. Um, next opinion Pat Pirelli is the biggest fake in clinician history, right next to Craig Cameron. (laughs) Okay. I'll be honest. I don't know who Craig Cameron is. So sorry. He's probably some big famous guy doing really great. I don't know who he is. I do know who Pat Pirelli is. And I will say I've never paid much attention to him because I have only heard negative things about him pretty much. Um, I think maybe I met one or two people a long, long time ago that didn't mind him. But um, I have never really heard anything good about the guy. Not saying he's he's a bad guy, but I did. I think I remember his wife or something getting caught like beating a horse or something that he was training. And have pretty much only ever heard negative things about Pat Pirelli. So I'm going to go ahead and probably say that the majority vote is correct on that. But I can't say too much about it because I don't watch his stuff. The next opinion. Most studs deserve to be really nice geldings. And I think I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. Um, Like I was saying earlier, I I get tired of people producing these low quality horses. I get tired of feeding the horse meat market, the kill pen market, etc. These I mean, you're essentially feeding these rescue, these scamming rescues, their market, too, because people are producing these low-quality horses that don't have a lot of value. They're not worth a lot, and then they just get sold off as pets, or they get given away, or they get neglected, and so they end up in these situations. And not gelding your horses is just going to contribute to that. (laughs) I don't think that every horse, whether it's really pretty or... It has a great mind, or if it has a great build, even, or if its grade needs to be left a stud. Even a lot of papered geldings or papered horses don't need to be left studs. Very, a very select few maybe should be left studs if if somebody wants to breed them. And honestly, if they're papered, because papered horses have so much better chance (laughs) of being. Um, sold around to homes than grade horses do. And I love my grade horses. I think the only papered one I have right now is Hazel, just because she's a Mustang and she has documentation. But I love my grade horses, but they don't all need to be left studs. They don't all need to be reproduced just because we like them or they're pretty. My Colt Chance, um, he is, I think he's going to be a really nice horse and um, I really love his color I hope that he has a great mind but that doesn't mean that I need to leave him a stud so I think when the time comes he will be gilded and yeah I mean just most of them don't need to be left studs let the studs that are creating these great horses let them be studs there are a lot of awesome studs out there So let them do the work for a while, and when their time's over, we can bring in a new set of really great studs. But for now, like just just let the ones doing the good job keep doing the good job. Um, Let's see. The next one says, "Just because the horse market is up does not mean your $1,000 sale barn buy is magically a $10,000 horse now because it's pretty." Okay. I think this is a good point because the horse market is definitely up. It has been up since COVID. And I'm guessing all of these people got into horses to find a hobby and to give themselves something to do (sighs) Sorry, Um, during the pandemic. So, the horse market skyrocketed during the pandemic. It absolutely did. I will agree with that. Um, It went up like crazy. But that doesn't necessarily mean that all horses are now valued or are now worth so much more just because they are horses. Your $600 killpen horse that's great has pigeon-toed legs, probably foundered, and isn't put together properly with no training doesn't magically make them worth a whole bunch more money now just because they're a horse. They're still a $600 horse. However, all of these people that wanted to focus on their showing and improving and using the two years off work to dedicate to a horse to be ready. Oh my gosh, my phone just died. Hold on. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that doesn't mean... What was I saying? These people that wanted to really get into their horse careers... They are looking for well-put-together horses, and they are more willing to pay for them now than they were, you know, 10 years ago. Um, I feel like 10 years ago, the market was very reasonable. Like, I was buying horses as a 13-year-old. So, yeah, just because the market is up doesn't magically mean because a horse is a horse now that they're worth so much more money. Um, but quality horses are absolutely worth a lot more money than they were before okay next one is a little bit unhinged in my opinion and it is that some horses are just trash and no amount of cuddling or cuddles is going to make them any better so that's a little brutal in my opinion (laughs) that one that one's a little unhinged if you ask me some horses are just trash and no amount of training or cuddles is going to make them any better so I will say that, you know, as we've spoken about low quality horses and poorly bred animals throughout this episode, I will say some of them are just trash. Like they were put together terribly, they were irresponsibly bred and no, no amount of cuddles is going to make them any better, but that does, I still don't think that that means the animals should be punished for it. Um I still think that animal deserves life and deserves to be taken care of um because we don't the animal doesn't owe us humans anything. Um they were put here because of humans and really we we owe the animals um the the very minimal the absolute least in life to just be taken care of and let them live. So while I don't think that um they should keep being created the ones that are here, I don't think it's their fault, and just because I can't fix them with cuddles or training necessarily means that they should just go die, and we should just make some different ones. Um, I'm just not like that, you know, and I think a lot of people feel that way about dogs, um, just because these dogs are keep being created by people, and, you know, the thing with dogs is they are so sweet, and dogs are infinitely going to love people. It doesn't matter how badly they were bred, how awful they look. Um, you know, what does that mean we should just kill all the dogs that are trashy or just aren't done right? I don't think so. I think that we should start charging people that are creating all of these unwanted dogs. We should do something about it. Same thing with horses. I don't think it's their fault and just because they might be kind of trash you know, it doesn't mean they should get sent to the kill pit and somebody, you know, we should take care of them. And that's why I'm grateful that there are places like sanctuaries, valid ones, rescues that actually care. And hopefully they land in places like that, not in places like the rescue I bought grace from. Okay. Let's see. Um, this next one says... I'm not one to say there's no good grade horses, but if someone was picking a basketball team and it was between me and LeBron James's kid, I'd tell them they're stupid to pick me. You don't got to come on here and tell me you love your grade horse. I'm sure you do, and it's not personal or about that. I've had plenty of grade horses, but you can't convince me that a certain horse's bloodlines aren't better for certain things. And I'll agree with this one. This makes a lot of sense if i was up against lebron james's child to play basketball and somebody picked me i'd be like what is wrong with you why would you pick me do you see me compared to that guy um so that makes a lot of sense like genetics are a thing and i have absolutely nothing against great horses i think great horses are awesome and they're such a diamond in a rough most of the time but like this person said horses are being bred for certain purposes people that are breeding horses correctly and right are breeding horses correctly and right and so they are usually breeding for specific jobs barrel racing people are breeding barrel horses from firewater flit and dash for cash and who's some other ones um is it dr Nick Barr? i don't know all of those, you know, those studs that are proven in barrel racing, they are breeding those horses for barrel racing. If they get a horse that sucks at barrels and doesn't end up being um, a good barrel horse, you geld it and you sell it as something else, maybe just a working horse, a ranch horse, or whatever. People that are breeding horses for driving um, these big draft horse pulls, the draft horse pulls are cool. And if you're breeding horses that place really, really well in these draft horse pulls, who says that like just some draft horse mix that you got at the sale barn is going to do as good of the job as they are? That's not what they were created for. That's not what selective breeding and genetic picking are for. So I definitely agree with this one. If you um, I'm not saying that like your great horse that you picked up isn't going to kill it at barrels. Sometimes they will. You'll find a horse and they're super good at barrels or whatever you decide to do. And they could be great. But there's also those ones that are proven and you almost know that they're going to be great before they're even born just by their genetics. So I'm definitely one for, um, you know, relying on papers or definitely considering a horse's papers. Okay. This next one is the last one. Putting an animal to sleep is never and will never be the worst outcome for that animal. Keeping an animal in pain or in a shelter the rest of their lives is inhumane. Um, yeah. So this one is a little questionable for me as well. So I do agree that putting an animal to sleep is not the worst outcome for any animal. Um, But I don't think that that means we should resort to it or shortcut to it. Putting an animal to sleep, like, should be highly considered. I don't think that it's something that people should throw around these days or act like it's some easy decision or take it lightly at all. Once again, we owe these horses the very minimal, the very... Least, that we can. Um, They were put here by us, and they were created by us. So we owe them the absolute least. So I don't feel like that means, um, oh the horse is sick or oh the horse is lame. So mm, let's put it down. If there is a way that somebody can make a lame horse comfortable and happy for an extended amount of time. Or if they know somebody that wants to provide for that horse and keep it happy and comfortable for an extended amount of time. That, in my opinion, should always be picked over, let's just put it down. Because putting a horse down is the same thing as killing a horse. It is. In my book, you are killing the horse. The horse doesn't get to pick. You're killing it. So before we kill the horse off... Um, Let's make sure that we've explored the other options and are making sure that the other options are feasible before we just resort to putting it down. No, putting it down is not the worst outcome, but it should be the last resort. So, yeah. I mean, I know that, that we run into these situations sometimes where a horse is so badly put together or a neglected horse is so far gone that it's just going to cause it more pain to try to revive it or to bring it back or to rescue it or whatever. And putting it to sleep may be the best thing for it. But like horses like Grace, when I brought Grace home and she was skin and bones and stuff, I had her for over a year. I fed the crap out of her and she was a completely different horse by the time she had gained her weight back. She was happy. She was such a sweetheart She just, I could tell that she, um, appreciated, you know, the second chance that she had been given. If I would have just resorted to putting her down, that would have been completely unfair to her. Um, and so no, it's, it's not the worst, you know, she could have suffered and just been skinny and hungry all the time, but I don't know. I don't feel like dying is any better necessarily when she does have a chance. So that's just, I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Let me know down below. If you have an old ancient horse that is just keeps trucking along another year and it's also skin and bones and it's lame and it's, you know, exiled from the herd and whatever, and you don't want to see it suffer through another winter, even though you know it'll live, But you don't want to see it suffer through another winter. That might be a different situation where putting it to rest at a time where it's clearly ready to be put to rest and is not going to have to suffer or endure any more pain. Absolutely. That is the more humane thing to do. And do it on a good day where your horse remembers all of the good feelings it had before it had to um, be put down. But that's just uh, my take on that one. So, Anyway, that's all of the unhinged opinions I have um, for this. You can thank Twitter for this episode because I pretty much pulled all those off there. And so, yeah, Twitter is really the place. If you want your equine opinions, you just go to Twitter and they're pretty much all over there. But that's all I have for this episode, guys. I am going to hop off of here now and I'm going to check to see if my chainsaw battery is, is recharged so I can go back out for a little bit, maybe a couple more hours and keep cleaning up. I'm so excited. My pasture is being so clean. Um, I have literal piles of trees everywhere though. So those are going to take a long time to burn, but I'm so happy that the horses are going to have like more space now. And I'm currently, I'm going to tie two dry lots into it. So the boarded horses could go out there. I can put them away and I can turn my horses out there and, you know, it's not going to be a huge pasture. It's pretty small, but it will at least allow for a little more turnout than like a dry lot. So, and hopefully grow a little bit of grass. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know what your opinion, if there's an opinion on here that really got you, let me know what your thoughts are down below and I'd love to hear from it. So thank you guys so much for watching or listening. If you're on Spotify or Anchor, And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.